This is episode 82 of the Popcast. Welcome to the Popcast, a weekly podcast all about pop culture in three regular segments. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Welcome back to our listeners. Maureen, welcome back to you. How are you doing? I am hanging in there. We have very much to be grateful for, but obviously we are in the midst of coronavirus outbreak in the United States, and so we have been self-quarantined in our house. Yes, we are practicing extreme social distancing, so we have not really left our home in the past couple of days, and we plan to keep it that way. Well, I guess there's really not much to talk about in a snack bag today, except that coronavirus has completely altered not just our lives, but also the entire entertainment industry. So all sporting events have been canceled. All movie productions have pretty much been shut down. All TV productions have been shut down. And it's pretty crazy. I don't think that this has ever happened as far as I can remember. You know, even back to something like September 11th, you know, things paused for a little bit, maybe a week or so, but then it was kind of back to business as usual. Well, because that was obviously very scary because of an active terrorist attack, but it wasn't a passive virus that was spreading without people knowing. I think the thing that is most dangerous about coronavirus is that some people can have it and not show symptoms and be spreading it to people. And, you know, Josh and I obviously are taking extreme measures of precaution because I am eight months pregnant and we just want to be on the safe side. But I would encourage everyone to think about not only your own demographic, if you have to, if you happen to be in a, in a younger one, but also that you could be spreading it to someone else who then has a grandparent nearby or, you know, obviously the elderly are most at risk. So one of the reasons that you know, the CDC is recommending social distancing is because we don't want to be spreading this to other people who it may affect more seriously than ourselves. Um, And it's just been interesting. I have a lot of friends who are obviously young and healthy and they're like, oh, well, if I get it, it's just like the flu for a week and I'll be fine. But I think the thing that we need to think about more is the spread of it. First of all, I've never really heard anybody (laughs) be like, yeah, the flu is fine. No, people don't even like getting the flu, which we have a vaccine for and we have treatments for. This is a virus that we don't have a vaccine for. People's immune system is not built up to respond to this virus. It's a brand new strain of the coronavirus. So look, I have been enraged the past couple of days and I was, I've was i been thinking, I've been like tweeting, which I never tweet. I don't have any followers, so it's not a big deal. You know, I put something on Facebook. I never do this stuff, but honestly, my advice to anybody who's listening to this is just listen to the people who know what they're talking about. Maureen and I are not doctors. We're not experts in this field, but what we're relaying to you is what we're reading from experts. We're reading epidemiologists. We're reading virologists. We're reading... And Josh will put some of these articles in our show notes just so you can see and read for yourselves because I think that has been the most helpful for me is there was a particular article from a Boston doctor about why this is important and about flattening the curve, which basically is about kind of slowing down the spread of it so that our medical system doesn't get overwhelmed. There are a lot of you know, far-reaching repercussions, and it's a lot more important than going to a bar on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, so if you have the ability to social distance, which I will link some some good articles and good resources for what that really means. I won't try to explain exactly what it is because I don't want to get it wrong, but if you have the ability to do these things, and I don't think it means like 
don't go to the grocery store if you don't have food. It means being smart about when you do go out if you have to go out. But it basically means cutting out all non-essential things, which is a really difficult thing for people in our country to do because we're not It's really difficult for us to do. We've been doing it for three days. It's really hard. it's It's just not something we're used to. And I think that that's okay, that it's uncomfortable. But if it's gonna help, you know, not overwhelm the healthcare system, I think that's a really important thing to do because everybody has a parent or a grandparent or a friend or someone who could be seriously affected by this. And I think that it's really important to do what we can to make sure that this doesn't spread as quickly as it's currently spreading. Now, that all being said, do you want to say something else before we move on? Oh, no. All I was going to say is this is very challenging and we're praying for everyone. And we also recognize, you know, there are a lot of people who, Josh and I are very fortunate that we can work from home. Um, you know, we know that there are a lot of people who this will affect also in terms of not being able to work and and things like that. So we are, you know, saying our prayers that, you know, everyone gets taken care of and this passes quickly. But look for ways also to like support your local businesses if you still can. Um my yoga studio is maybe switching to doing things online. So, you know, like if I can still pay for a class and pay my instructor, but go virtually, that's, you know, ways we can kind of do that. Um, The other thing I was going to say is that when you're home, as much as we're home now, you know, like, ooh, you save an hour and a half commuting every day. Like that's an hour and a half more that you can clear out your storage unit or, you know, relax and watch TV at night. So I think this will be an opportunity for many of us to, um, catch up on some weird maybe not as current pop culture but you know like netflix and hulu have a lot of movies on there that they're streaming so we'd be interested to hear from you guys okay if you are at home and you are quarantined what are you watching what are you what's keeping you entertained or do you have something on in the background all the time are you kind of like a a no nonsense but then you want to sit down and like now you have time to watch a movie you know on a tuesday night um whatever that may be i think josh and i will have a lot of um maybe interesting things to tell you about what we're watching and how we're passing the time. And we'd be interested to hear what you have to say about what pop culture is keeping you, you know, sane while you're stuck in the house. Yeah, I think that's well said. And the only only other thing I want to say about this before we move on to sort of hopefully entertaining you a little bit is I think it's also really important that we're gracious and express our gratitude to the people who have to work. So not just healthcare workers who are working day and night to try to find cures and treat They're people amazing. who are sick with this, but also people who have to work at grocery stores who are, you know, working as hard as they can to collect groceries for people who don't want to go in the store and you can get it delivered right to your car or delivered to your home. And these people, you know, if you're able to, certainly we're all able to verbally say thank you and express our gratitude. But, you know, if you're able to financially, you know, help reward these people for doing jobs that are really difficult at this time. So anyway, all that being said, let's talk. I, it's it's secondary to all of the serious nature of this, but I'm curious for, for your opinion, Maureen, like this is unprecedented in like entertainment. Like it's never been shut down completely. And, you know, reports now are that things are shut down for a couple of weeks. My personal opinion is that that's probably going to last longer than people think. But how is this going to affect like movie uh, the the movie industry already was struggling people didn't really go to the movie theater because of things like Netflix and Hulu is this is this like spelling the the death of 
of the movie theater industry? I was saying to Josh the other day, I think that they're going to have to get creative. So for example, a lot of movies that we're going to premiere, nobody should be going to the movie theaters right now. So maybe they don't premiere in the movie theaters. Maybe they push them out via streaming. But, you know, for the price of one adult movie ticket, you know, fifteen ninety nine or whatever it may be in your area. How much is it here even? I just feel I like it's like a lot. Fifteen dollars. Yeah. Okay. So like let's say fifteen dollars, you can rent it or you can stream it or whatever it may be. Um I think if that were an option, we might do that with some new movies that were to come out. I think the problem tends to be that they can't really police that. So you could say, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to buy, you know, they would say, if you have two people watching it, it's going to be $30 or whatever. It's the same that you would pay at a movie theater or maybe a little bit less. they definitely can't police that. But yeah, no one, I don't think they can expect people to be honest, which is a terrible thing, but that's a whole nother conversation. What I will say about this is that a lot of major movie studios have pushed the releases indefinitely of movies that were supposed to come out. So this this past weekend, the one that we're recording now, there were two new releases that came out. They went out in theaters. They did not do very well at the box office. I think they made underwhelming, you know, based on what they had projected back before this coronavirus thing had expanded so rapidly. But giant movies that were supposed to come out in the next month have now pushed their dates. So there was but a new... But I feel like that needs to happen. I oh, guess, of course. I mean, like, it totally stinks. And I, if you're a movie executive, you're like, wow, we're going to take a hit, you know, like, or we're going to have to push out, you know, our projections. Yes, that... they're going to have to take a hit. But we're talking, like, Disney is not going to take no, a huge hit. Certainly not. All I'm saying is, like, this is life. This is why, you know, like, we as hopefully most people as functioning adults have emergency funds, right? This is an emergency. This is the kind of thing that you're like, oh my gosh, like, is my job safe? I don't know. How long is this going to last? Do we need extra food? Are we going to have access to things? Like, this is this is the biggest emergency I've lived through, at least in my opinion. So I feel like this is the kind of thing where businesses like likely will take a hit over the next two months. And then there will probably be some kind of like huge renaissance of like everyone wanting to go to the movies again. Yeah, that's true. Because nobody's had the opportunity to do it. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about so, that. So like there, I think that I'm hoping at least in the like late summer, early fall, like who knows how long this will last. But once everyone starts coming out of quarantine and the cdc is saying like the 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 worst is over like we can start coming out again i'm hoping that it gives new life to small town breweries and like local restaurants and like maybe places that weren't doing so well before or were hit really hard um will suddenly have a boom including movies i just it'll be interesting to see if these companies can survive the the hardship, the emergency. Yeah, I think that's the whole idea with like, if you can't support your local business by going, buy a gift card to use later. And that will give them, you know, funds now that you can then use later when it's okay to go out and be in public in large groups of people before. I will say with regards to the movies, the one that really kicked it all off in terms of pushing the date of release was the new James Bond movie, which was supposed to come out in April. They have now pushed it to November. So they've pushed it a good ways. Wow. And then most studios have either delayed indefinitely. So the movie A Quiet Place 2, which it was supposed to come out next weekend, has been pushed indefinitely. And they said, look, we want this to be seen by a lot of people in the same place, and that's not really safe to do right now. So we're just going to let you know when we're able to reschedule it. You know, movies like there's a new Fast and the Furious movie, which is a huge, huge Fast worldwide. Fast and Furious 27.5. 
you're not too far up. No, it's Fast and Furious 9. Fast F9, I think is what it's called. Really dumb, dumb title. Maybe they can use their time that they've delayed it to, to come up with a better it. title. But that's been pushed a whole year. So it's not going to come out until April 2021. So I think studios are making smart decisions. It's just really interesting because right now we're sort of in a period where there's TV shows and stuff that's been shot. So for example, Maureen, you watched The Bachelor. All of that was pretty much finished filming by the time that this really exploded. So you were able to see the conclusion of that. But there are certain things that are happening now, like there's supposed to be a new season of The Bachelorette that premieres in May. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, there's there's supposed to be a new season of Survivor that premieres in the fall that they were supposed to start filming next week. They've pushed the filming right now to the end of May which would keep them on a schedule to be able to premiere in the fall. But, but like, again, I just come back to like, that's life. This is an emergency. Like that is not as important. No, as... I, I agree. I think, I think putting all that aside, I think it's just like unprecedented. I, I think people just don't really know what to do. And so we might see ripple disruptions in terms of entertainment for the next year once this is resolved, which I think will be really interesting to sort of keep track of, you know, outside of all the devastating effects that this is having on like human culture and human in humans in general. So um, it's making me think like, okay, well, what can these networks do to kind of create content that's still safe? You know, like it makes me think of that ridiculous friends reunion that we talked about where, but you know what? You could have the six of them like do something, do something without an audience where everyone was just kind of like separated and like sitting in chairs, but not touching each other. What if they were all six feet six apart? Six feet apart. And they were just like, <laughs> it was like the biggest little studio room. Yeah. I mean, I guess it would be still hard to do something like that because all of the workers would have to yeah. be together. I don't know. I mean, I think the hope is that the, the worst of this is over in the next couple of months and people are able to resume some sort of normalcy with regards to production of content. I will say it's like Netflix they're going to be the biggest winners of this because they had a lot of stuff wrapped and ready to release that they're going to release in the next couple of months. And I've, I think I read something that said they have 13 new original full length movies that are going to be released that they already had on their schedule to release between now and the middle of May. And that's That's just something that, that now are these movies going to be good? I don't know. Are they going to be for everybody? No, there's like, they're going to be new. They're going to be brand new. There's, you know, there's like a horror movie. There's a comedy. There's a, a romantic movie. You know, like there's something for everybody coming out pretty much in the next month and a half or two months. And that's just their business model. They're going to be the ones who profit from this. I hate to say like profiting in a time of, of crisis, but that's the reality of it. I just think it'll be interesting. Netflix is already producing just like a ton of content. So it's not surprising that they had all this lined up. It's not like they did this in response to the coronavirus, but they are well positioned at this point to release new content. Anyway, this is just a good example of what is that? Is it like a fable? Is it a what the the like old adage they say about like the who the ants like stored all of their food away and then the grasshoppers were hungry and i'm just thinking of the movie bugs life yeah but but do you know what i'm saying it's like it's like the old adage of like you have to store and save for the winter and then in the winter you have food like when and when there's famine or when there's it's not plentiful harvest right 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 you know you've been smart along the way like netflix has 
it's basically not, done that. It's not the exact same, uh, you know, like analogy here, but <laughs> work with me. It's like they they were like little worker bees. They were getting it done. They were saving all this content. They were planning release. They were doing things so ahead of time. So many different animals you're talking about here. Insects mostly. You went, <laughs> you went from like ants and grasshoppers, which is the plot of A Bug's Life. What is the old, I'm not crazy here. What is the old like no, I know what you're talking about. But I what just, bug is it? In I have the, no in idea. The... Is it a bug? Are we sure it's a bug? Could it just be an animal? Could it be a squirrel? Squirrels hide nuts for the winter, don't they? We've moved on to mammals. (laughs) Basically, Amazon seems like they had all of their ducks in a row. Oh, gosh. Netflix. I guess Amazon might (laughs) have. Do they have new content, too? I'm sure they have new content. They have TV shows, but not nearly on the scale. They don't have as many things as Netflix. Netflix. And the thing about Netflix, just as a, a small tangent a lot of the stuff they put out is not very good but when you're kind of stuck adam sandler series of six (laughs) movies was rough i don't even know if they've released all of them yet they might still have one more them because (laughs) not for coronavirus but because they were bad (laughs) anyway so there'll be a lot to keep us entertained over the next couple of months you know outside of the work we still have to do and all of the other stuff but we'll keep you posted and we'll cover things in the snack bag if we can and we'll go from there but I think that's a good time to move on to our premiere topic this week, which is a movie that both of us watched before the whole coronavirus thing happened. But basically, the reason we didn't have a new episode last weekend was because I was sick with a stomach bug, which was terrible. I was in bed for like five days and Maureen was... No cough or respiratory anything. Definitely not coronavirus. I did not have coronavirus, but I was sick. And so Maureen at nights would just... I was quarantined last weekend too. She was just sort of by herself watching TV on the couch. And, and watching Caleb all and watch, day, every yeah, day. But at night, you would watch stuff by yourself. And yes. you mentioned to me, hey, I watched this movie, Super Size Me 2. And I said, no, I wanted to watch that with you. But Maureen watched it on her own. And then while I was sort of isolated in in our room to stay away from Caleb and Maureen, I also watched it. It is free right now. I believe it's on Amazon. Is that right? And it's also on YouTube just regular YouTube for free. You just watch an ad at the beginning. And so we thought it'd be a good premiere topic this week because the movie was just released publicly last year. Now, before we get into like talking about the movie specifically, I should point out that neither Maureen nor I was aware of the controversy surrounding the filmmaker and the star of the movie, Morgan Spurlock, before we watched this this particular movie. So we should let you know what it is and and sort of that whole situation in case you're going to watch and i'm curious we'll talk about whether that colored your perception of the movie after the fact but basically this movie is a a film a documentary about the chicken farming industry in the united states it's by the filmmaker who made supersize me which is a guy by the name of morgan spurlock he in 2004 decided to eat only McDonald's for 30 days and he ate it for every meal. And he was basically trying to show the effects that fast food can have on the human body. The film was extremely well received back in 2004. It was nominated for an Oscar for best documentary. He got like medical attention all along the way, like monitoring like how much his cholesterol was rising, how much weight he was gaining, like all of the things that like, you know, people say fast food can do for you. Yeah, and he actually got McDonald's to drop the supersize option as a result of his movie. That first movie is also on YouTube for free right now. You can watch the whole thing. I rewatched it recently. It still holds up. It's very interesting. I will say the one thing that doesn't quite hold up is there's a little bit of like fat shaming. Now, I think we want everybody in the United States to be healthy, but I think since he made that documentary, there's been a lot of research done about body shapes and sizes that does not necessarily correlate to 
you know, health. And so that stuff doesn't quite age so well. He does talk a little bit about that. But the overall idea of fast food being bad for your body still holds up very well. So he did a sequel to the movie called Super Size Me 2, Holy Chicken. In 2015 and 16, I think is when he filmed the movie. And this is him exploring the chicken farming industry in the United States. And basically, he's going to open up a chicken fast food restaurant. And that's kind of the whole plot of this movie. Now, what we didn't know before we watched the movie, and this was just sort of, I guess, ignorance on our part for not like doing any research about him, is that this movie was originally supposed to come out in 2017. And it did premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival. It was very well received there. It got bought by YouTube Red, which was the sort of profit arm of YouTube, sort of like a subscription part of YouTube back in the day. I think they've since dropped that. But Morgan Spurlock, right after this was purchased, came out. This was right at like the height of the Me Too movement. And he basically wrote an essay saying, I'm part of the problem. I'm paraphrasing here. I'll link his whole essay. But he basically admitted to you know, being accused of rape when he was in college, like nothing was ever prosecuted, taken to trial, um, but still he was accused of it. He said that he'd been, you know, settled a sexual harassment claim with his uh, former assistant at his production company. You know, he said that he'd been unfaithful to all of his girlfriends and wives. And so basically he came out and publicly said all this. And then immediately the release of the movie was shut down. And so I think it was you know, reading that after the fact, it's really interesting. I didn't to, know that he came out with it on on his own. Yeah. So no one, he, he came out and said, you know, no one was blackmailing me. He just felt like he needed to sort of it's express. It's like, like confessional kind right, of. Right. Right. You know, that he was part of the problem that he he didn't want to stay silent anymore. And, you know, he'd said that he'd been dependent on alcohol for a long time. And, you know, now three years later, he says he's been sober for, you know, almost two years, which is great. Um, It was just interesting to read all of that after having watched the movie, because if you watch these movies... He's such a vigilante. Yeah, and he is like the star. Like, the movie would not exist without him. It's not a traditional documentary where he's only interviewing other people and he is behind the camera. He is the subject of these movies, more so probably in the first one than in the second one. But there's no way to, like, not see him and sort of get on his side when you're watching these movies. So... I guess let's start with, did it change your perception of the movie once you heard about this after the fact, or did had you formed an opinion of the movie Super Size Me 2? No, I think the movie is separate from him as a person. I haven't read this confessional, so I, I, I mean, I didn't know a lot of the details on it until Josh just mentioned it to me. Like, this was, again, like me last weekend being like, I'm so exhausted from, I mean, man, single parents out there, my hat is off to you, off. Like, you are amazing. Um because after like two days of it, I was losing my mind just because it, it, there's so much pressure on you just as one single parent. Anyway, I digress. So I literally was just like, I just need an hour of TV on the couch to just kind of lay here horizontally and just rest. Um, so I, you know, I was watching the documentary. I, I, I think in hindsight, like, I mean, it's sad that he's done those bad things. I guess it's admirable that he came out with it on his own. You wish he hadn't done them, but it sounds like he's reforming. That's, you can't change the past. So I guess guess that's the only thing you hope for. I guess the question is like, should someone who has had such bad behavior be allowed to make a movie? 
I don't know. I mean, lots of people do. Like it's the movie is not about anything related to that. Um, and I don't think the the harassment happened in in like it wasn't directly related to this movie. I think it was before this movie ever happened. So I mean, was... there was nothing about the movie that seemed harmful to me. Um, so I I think it's colored my opinion of Morgan Spurlock. It hasn't necessarily colored my opinion of this movie. Yeah, this that documentary. makes sense. That makes sense. I think that with regards to him sort of proactively coming out and saying it, I agree with you. It's terrible that these things happened. I think it's good that he admitted to them. I think that what you hope for at this point with regards to him as a person is that he uses whatever platform he still has, you know, publicly or in future films to, to, st- do, good. to do, do, do good and make amends, whatever that means for the people that he's harmed or, or, you know, whatever. But I think let's at this point shift to the movie itself because this is just quite a Debbie Downer of a podcast. Yeah, well. Hopefully talking about the movie is upbeat because the movie is very entertaining and it's so fascinating to it's think about. It's still kind of sad though. I mean, like they're talking about like one of the big takeaways of the movie was big chicken, right? So it's about like the chicken industry and how big companies like Purdue and Tyson Tyson kind of keep chicken farmers down, like keep them under their thumb um, and make them compete with each other and pay them not necessarily based on the quality of the chicken, but pay them in this like competition system, a tournament system, um, which I thought was really interesting and disturbing. It's definitely made me think twice about chicken and where we get our chicken. Unfortunately, in the times of coronavirus, we will take whatever chicken we can get. So that has not been, you know, like for a little while earlier this week, I was like, I'm only going to get the organic, like whatever, but I don't even know. I bet nature's promise or whatever is in your area, like all the free from, it's a lot more about marketing than it is about actual standards that the chickens (laughs) live in. So I think after watching this, it was very interesting to me. I think it makes me want to limit my meat consumption in general, um, limit fast food to only like special occasions, one-offs, um, because it is still delicious. And that was the point he was making. So he basically, the premise is, he's like, okay, well, I explored fast food. I'm going to open up my own fast food restaurant. I'm going to see what it's like to get a little chick, to raise the chickens, to slaughter the chickens, to have them processed, to start a restaurant, to hire people, to train them, and then to market, you know, by my food. And I think um, what he really wanted to do was to show, to be honest about you know, where the chicken came from and what, you know, there's this whole plot line in the story about he's going to, the best tasting chicken that you can get out, you know, at a fast food place is fried, but they don't call it fried anymore. They call it crispy. And that's just a marketing thing. That's Mm -hmm. just a way that you can present it. And there's this whole idea that if it's crispy, but grilled, that sounds healthier. And so what they do is they're not actually going to grill it. They're going to paint grill marks on with like charcoal and when he finally opens the restaurant at the end of the movie, they're very transparent about all this stuff. You yeah, know, like there's little like placards on the table that say like grill marks straight from like the paintbrush, you know, like things like that. But everyone still eats the chicken sandwich and they're good. Yeah. And they say it's delicious. I think that what's interesting about the movie is that it's sort of it's both a story about, you know, him trying to do this chicken thing and sort of understanding personally what it means to raise chickens and what it means for something to be free range which if you don't know is not very much they basically just have to have access to a very small area outside under the sky and he basically at one point in the movie 
tried to create a free-range area for his chickens, and they never went in it because they didn't like going outside. So, but technically, those chickens were free-range. But also, the the free-range area was like the size of a porta potty. Yeah, it was five feet by five feet. That's like the minimum that the USDA requires for a chicken to be considered free range. But all of that is to say, part of the movie is about his personal journey to try to understand what this is and open up this restaurant. But as Maureen said, the other part of it is to meet some of the farmers who raise chickens and sort of their process and what they go through to be in this business. And it's a difficult business because these big chicken companies have a stronghold, a stranglehold on the farmers and they keep them in debt and they don't pay them well and they work them to the bone. And that's kind of the only way to make a living at all. You have to play by their rules. And what they want is the most chickens and the most money, which is just kind of like the sad thing about all of these big companies. When you see it sort of dismantled like this and you can sort of see the machinery working. But it's all every industry. Ever I know is all that's, about, that's like, what I'm the saying. Most profit. That's what I'm saying. And so it definitely does make you think twice about how we treat animals ethically and, you know, the food we consume and, and what it's doing, not just to the animals, but to the people who are raising them. And so, you know, I'm sure that there are other sides to the story. I don't I haven't done any additional research besides this movie, but it is just fascinating to think about people are so moved by, I think the other thing that probably struck us a lot was that the marketing tactics that these companies yeah, use. Yeah, so the marketing side of it was really interesting to me. Obviously, Josh and I both work in marketing, so you know it's an area that we're interested in, but you know, Morgan Spurlock met with a company who's literally had like test kitchens there and they had a marketing team. Oh, there are two different companies. There was the mm-hmm. test kitchen company to help him develop the food. And then there was the company to help him like brand the restaurant. And it was like, well, we have to pick green because green symbolizes, you know, like healthy and good. Yeah. And like, we're going to use words like fresh and like farm to table. And, and when they ended up opening the store, it was just really fascinating because in Morgan's like honesty, you know, whatever, there were all these signs all over that were like fresh farm to table, free range. These are words. We made them big. (laughs) Like they're just words. Like you just, but it is true how much we are all influenced by marketing and by the specific marketing of this specific time period, right? Like to Josh's point, the documentary made in 2004, a mere 16 years ago, a lot of the concepts or social norms of it are out of date. And so, you know, right now, farm to table is a big concept, all natural, free range. Well, what's in five years from now, what words will have been made popular and what words will have different meanings to them? But it was just very interesting when you think about what is going to make a consumer make a certain decision. Yeah. And so it it definitely has made me reconsider. It's, you know, I don't think either of us are saying we're going to be vegans now. I I think that that kind of a lifestyle change immediately would be incredibly difficult, but I definitely think it makes you think and it makes you, you know, when, when things settle down and we're not worried about something like coronavirus in the back of our minds or in the front of our minds, we might think through some of these things. We might have like a meatless Monday and where we don't consume meat. And hopefully that can help to change sort of the reliance that this country has on things like the chicken industry, which is proving detrimental to many groups of people. I I also will say that Maureen and I recently tried one of those um, veggie 
burger patties. So it's a company called, there are two companies that make them. And I'm not talking about your traditional veggie burger, like that's made of beans and stuff. These are companies that are trying to make a product that resembles a hamburger. And they, they've expanded now to making things like hot dogs as well. But they basically will take plant-based protein and make it into a burger looking patty. We had them last night for dinner and they were really good. It tasted like a burger. Yeah, it was good. I mean, you could probably they're more expensive. tell they're definitely more expensive, but these are things that are created in a lab from vegetables and plant-based proteins. And, you know, I don't know if they're necessarily better for you. I'm sure there's pros and cons to all of it, but it definitely tasted as good as meat. And if it means that we're not harming animals or we're not taking advantage of farmers or ruining the environment with right you know that's a good thing so i think we'll certainly keep exploring that if if it if it fits into our budget and i think those are good alternatives and that's something that this movie will make you think so if you're interested in watching it it's free right now on youtube like literally don't have to have a subscription to anything just go on youtube and search supersize me too i will link it in the show notes if you haven't seen the first one definitely recommend that one it's very entertaining Morgan Spurlock is a very charismatic person and he's sort of the subject, as I said, as a as well as the filmmaker. So definitely check those out. Maureen, should we move on to teasers? Yes. Okay. My teaser. Oh, whoa. Whoa. You just jumped right in. I just jumped. I okay. don't even want you to ask me. I don't want you to go first. I just want to say it. Guys, sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm wrong. Uh-oh. And I was wrong about hating Disney Plus. Uh-oh. I... As someone who is now stuck at home with a three-year-old, I think that it is an incredibly valuable streaming service for someone with kids because you know that you can go onto it and that pretty much anything you're going to find on there is relatively kid-friendly. And even with, with Netflix lately, they have this new feature where they automatically start playing shows as you scroll over them. It's really hard when our three-year-old is there and like wanting to like, oh, what's that one? Mommy, what's that one? And like some of them are not appropriate or they're for older kids. So I very much appreciate Disney Plus and being able to say, especially I think because we grew up on Disney. So a lot of the Netflix cartoons are like weird things that you've never heard of before. But I can go to Disney Plus and have seen the majority of the movies or at least be relatively aware of them because Disney's such a big presence that I know which ones are appropriate for a three-year-old or not. So Disney Plus, I was wrong wow. about you. Maureen. Not necessarily for me as an adult. I wish I had this recorded so that, oh, I do. Mm-hmm. Have it recorded that you said you were wrong. Okay, so my teaser for this week is actually two movies. And I've just been really on this weird kick lately. And this sort of pertains to our premiere topic for next week, too. Next week, we're going to do a Maureen's first time. And it's Maureen's first time watching a movie called Free Solo, which is a movie about rock climbing. And I saw this movie when it first came out in 2008. 19 maybe it came out in 2018 i saw it at the beginning of 2019 i loved it i thought it was great it is now on disney plus because disney plus also has national geographic they own everything they own everything and this was a national geographic movie so we watched that we'll talk about that next week on the podcast we'll save our takes on that but i've been really on into this like rock climbing thing and there are two other excellent excellent documentaries that i would recommend one is on amazon prime and the other one is on Netflix, if you're interested in watching. The first one is called The Dawn Wall, which covers the same area in Yosemite, the 
El Capitan giant granite rock that people climb. That is the Dawn Wall. That's about two guys who are trying to climb the most difficult portion of that wall. Now, they are using ropes, unlike the person in Free Solo, so it's a little less harrowing, but the story is so fascinating. The other movie is called Meru. It's about these three climbers who are trying to climb this this mountain that has never been scaled before, and it's by the same people who made Free Solo. It came out in 2015, I want to say. That one's on Amazon Prime. Very, very fascinating. What I will say about these movies is that watch them on the biggest screen you can. We have recently installed sort of like a movie theater setup in our basement. We have a very large screen. And I think that- When we moved to this house, you guys, Josh was basically like, okay, well, we can get a house someday as long as I can have a movie theater room. (laughs) So- And now we do. His dream come true. But these movies are- are enjoyed much more i think on a bigger screen so if you have a tv watch it on there i would not recommend watching them on your phone okay i think that is all for this week everybody hang in there stay safe social distance if wash you can your wash your hands and we'll be back next try to, week try with, to not be around other people just yeah just try it and and as maureen said share your recommendations for what you're watching to pass the time when you need a break And we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash poppedcast. We would love to hear from you. You can also reach us by emailing thepoppedcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe, rate, and review our show on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting in our basement with a brand new episode. Talk to you then. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.